Well, come on in. Find yourself a, a seat. <laughs> we got a lot of hugs and love going on out there. It's good stuff. It's good stuff. Welcome. Thank you for being here this morning. Um, before we jump into our message, a couple of announcements. So if you're a guest, thank you for being here this morning. Uh, we appreciate you taking time this weekend, this Mother's Day, to be with us. And uh, in the seat back in front of you, there is a connection card. If you'd fill that out, you can drop that in the, the box back there by the kiosk. And a gift from us to you to say thank you is a reusable bag. Uh, use it for camping, for shopping, for, I don't know, carrying kids' toys. Uh, whatever you would need it for. But thank you for being here this morning. Um, if you uh, weren't, able, weren't ready to give up here in these little clear buckets, don't worry, you can still give in the back. Uh, we have the kiosk there, and then you can give at lifechurchutah.com. And thank you for continuing to be faithful in your giving. Uh, and then coming up, we have water baptisms on May 23rd. So if you are interested, if you know someone that is interested, uh, we have a sign-up sheet in the back right there by the uh, front door. Fill that out, and uh, we will uh, get in touch with you and uh, get you lined up for water baptisms. It's a very exciting thing when you want to declare your faith through water baptism. You're, you're declaring, I am dying to my old self, and I am rising to life in Christ forsaking the old things. So it's very exciting. It is a, a big commitment, but it's, it's a, one that's worth it. Uh, I encourage all believers to get baptized in water. Um, and then I, I just got a report from Terry. Our Sunday school class is going great. And I uh, just want to encourage you, uh, if you can be here Sunday mornings at 930, be here. Um, they are uh, going through a, a class called the Bait of Satan. And uh, from what, I've hear, what I hear, I haven't personally been through it, it will challenge you to your core and uh, really deepen your walk with Jesus. So be there if you can. Now, it is good to be back. Um, as many of you are aware, we were on vacation this past week and, and weekend. Allison, the kids, and I went up to Minnesota to go see her brother, and um, he, there, there's the pictures. So we went up to go. It was my first time. I got to meet baby Griffin. Um, that's my new nephew. Uh, we went to the Mall of America. That's the M&M store there. Um, the kiddos with their cousin. Uh, Mall of America is pretty cool. Uh, it's got an amusement park in the middle of it. So that's where we spent all day. Kids riding rides, uh, getting treats. Uh, it was a lot of fun. We spent a couple days. There, uh, we were relaxed at my brother-in-law's house. Um, when you go into their house and they open the back door, it sounds like you're in a jungle. Um, the frogs and the birds, and it's, it's, it's wildlife for sure. It's, it's actually, I like it. I, I find it uh, refreshing. Um, and then from there, the original plan was to fly out and then drive my father-in-law's car back. Um, and we still did that, but Allison flew back because of her pregnancy. Uh, it's an 18-hour drive home, and uh, the doctor said about every 45 minutes, she would have to get out and walk around, and we didn't want to add another day to the drive, and, <laughs> 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 and 
she hasn't been doing too well with car sickness. So she flew home, and my father-in-law flew out, and we made a, a good trip of that. We went to Mount Rushmore. Um, we went to Crazy Horse. Crazy Horse was really cool. Um, we went to, you had to go, had to go through Sturgis. Um, went to the Harley-Davidson store. Uh, and uh, we made the 18-hour the trek home. It was, uh, it was a lot of fun. Um, it, it kind of, it was supposed to cure my itch for a road trip. It only made it worse. I, I now need to go on another one. Um, but it was a lot of fun. We had a, a great time. It's always nice to get away and uh, not worry about anything except having fun. So um, thank you to Natasha for speaking, filling the pulpit last week. Um, she talked to us about our Father who hears us, and he desires for us to pray to him and for us to believe that when we pray, we aren't just throwing up Hail Marys. And I'm not talking about um, the Hail Marys in Catholicism. I was referring to football, but I guess you could correlate the two. Um, in football, you throw the football to the end zone and a Hail Mary, hoping somebody will catch the ball. I think some people treat prayer that way, like she said, that we just throw them out there and hope that somebody's going to hear it. Somebody's going to listen to us, but she uh, taught us that, no, when you pray, your Father hears you. He is there to catch your prayers, to hear your prayers. He's ready to give direction, correction, to give us peace and hope. Our Father hears us. But in lieu of Mother's Day, we're going to take a break from that series of going through the uh, Lord's Prayer and study of how to pray, why we pray. Um, my hope this morning is to correlate the role of mothers with that of who Jesus is and the important role both play in our lives. Now, many of you who have been here for a minute have heard a lot of stories told by me, and uh, I've done a, a fair deal of bragging on my mom. Um, she has been a, a wonder of a woman. Uh, she's taught me many things that have shaped who I am. I love my mom dearly, and I thank God for her. Um, I know I wouldn't be who I am today without my mom. So, mom, thank you for all of your love, your guidance uh, throughout my life, and continuing to be an example of someone who loves Jesus and loves, your, loves our family. I love you very, very much. Now, about 16 years ago, I met a lady that I was pretty sure wasn't my biggest fan. Uh, perhaps it was because she didn't know how to react to my dashing good looks, <laughs> my wonderful personality, uh, my rusty blue pickup truck. Uh, perhaps it was I didn't have a real job. Um, I was studying to go into the ministry. Uh, perhaps it's because I came out of nowhere or pretty much blindsided everybody. But I look back and perhaps this idea of her not being my biggest fan is my own insecurities talking. Um, while I may put off this confident air or vibe, uh, I wasn't all that confident. Um, I was nowhere as sure of myself as I uh, tried to put off something that I, I might even still do today. But perhaps it's because I never asked for permission, whatever the reason. I know that today, 
this idea of her not being my biggest fan uh, is not the case. Uh, over 16 years ago, I had the opportunity and the privilege to get to know her. She may be quiet, a trait that we both share. She may not enjoy a long road trip, a trait that we do not share. But I do know that she loves Jesus. I do know that she loves people. I know that she loves me. And I am, of course, speaking of my mother-in-law, Donna. See, when I say I didn't ask for, for permission, I never asked Allison's parents if I could date her. Um, I just kind of showed up. Uh, Donna's made the comments, you know, uh, I did just kind of come out of nowhere. And I call it old-fashioned, but, you know, I think it's a good practice, so if there's anybody that's going to date Ava, they better come ask or it ain't happening. But I'm a few years away from that, so I don't have to worry about it. Um, but almost from the word go, I was welcomed into the family. Once Allison and I were married, I was brought into all of the traditions. I had my own stocking at Christmas with an F embroidered on it. Valentine's Day and birthdays were just another way for her to show her love. And then once we had kids, all of that attention went away from us and went to them. Um, but, you know, they say grandkids are the best thing, so it's, it's expected. Um, but I've witnessed and I have experienced who she is, the role she has played in her kids' lives, pouring into them, taking the heritage of her daddy, Grandpa Bustos, and passing it on to her kids. She has been there through all of the ups and downs that, Allison and I have experienced rejoicing with us, crying with us, um, helping us with our first place to live. It was her dad's house that we rented uh, in Salt Lake, helping us with the down payment on our first purchase of our home in Stansbury, um, with her and dad letting us live in their home. I can't even look over there. Um, <laughs> letting us live in their home while we remodeled the house we are in today, um, and the way she loves my, my, my kiddos, she makes it a point to squeeze them every time she sees them. She lavishes love on them. I couldn't have asked for a better mother-in-law. I think I get emotional. But I love you. I see you. But um, I see these things in the woman I married as well. And I believe Allison is the amazing mom she is because of the mom she has. Allison is all of these things. Oh, my gosh. Get it together, guy. Take a break. Talk amongst yourselves for a minute. <laughs> Got to gain my composure here. Lord, have mercy. But Allison is, is the same thing. She's kind, she's generous, she's thoughtful, she's loving, she's caring. And, and I'll tease Allison when the kids are naughty. I'm like, that comes from your side of the family. <laughs> that, that's, that's you coming through right there, but it's not, it's not the truth. The good that are in my kids come from her. You know, and I couldn't have asked for a better partner or mama to my kiddos. And that's the amazing thing about moms. So much of their role in the lives of children reflect 
and resemble the qualities of Jesus. When you think of a woman's role in this life, especially when it comes to being a mom, it is ex- it's extraordinary. We can't have life without moms. A mom, a woman can grow a baby in her body. And then she delivers that baby through her body. And then through her body, she feeds that baby. And then she nurtures and cares for that baby, sustaining that child's life. When you sit down and think of the role of women and mothers, it is incredible. And today, we're going to look at the same thing with Jesus and the believer. What role does Jesus want to play in our lives? How does he provide life? How does he nurture life? We're going to be looking from John chapter 15, 1 through 17. And the point that I want to give today is this. Life-giving fruit comes only when we remain in Jesus. Life-giving fruit comes only when we remain in Jesus. So if you're there in your Bibles, in your phones, your tablets, whatever it is, let's take a look at what it says. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withered. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be given to you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remained in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be complete in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command. Love each other. Let's pray. Father, I thank you this morning for an opportunity to look at your word and see how we are to live and to bear fruit and to remain in you. And I pray this morning that as we go through this text that you would open our hearts, our minds, our ears to hear what you are saying. Lord, that we would be challenged, that we would be encouraged, that we would be changed for your glory, that we would bear good fruit. We bless you, Father. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now we find ourselves in the middle of the Last Supper. Just a couple chapters before, uh, we read Jesus washing the disciples' feet. 
and then we see uh, Jesus confront Judas and his coming betrayal. He predicts Peter's denial. He brings comfort to the disciples about what's going to take place in a, shoe, in a few short hours. He promises the Holy Spirit, and where we came into the story, Jesus is encouraging his disciples to remain in him. Where he says, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. Now this is the seventh time Jesus has used the phrase, I am. He started with, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And I am the vine. The I am was a way that Jesus had of drawing the connection between himself and the great I am who I am from the God of the Old Testament. This here, Jesus is claiming his deity, who he is. And the, the Jews would connect this I am back to Exodus in chapter 3 when Moses is talking to God at the burning bush and he says, who shall I say sent me? Tell them I am who I am sent you. So Jesus in essence is saying he is I am that I am. And then the reference to the vine was familiar to the disciples. Throughout Israel's history, they were referred to as a vineyard. Jeremiah 2.21 says, yet I planted you a noble vine, a seed of highest quality. How then have you turned before me into the degenerate plant of an alien vine? Hosea 10.1, Israel empties his vine. He brings forth fruit for himself. According to the multitude of his fruit, he has increased the altars. According to the bounty of his land, they have embellished his sacred pillars. And Isaiah said in chapter 5, now let me sing to my well-beloved a song of my beloved regarding his vineyard. My well-beloved has a vineyard on a very fruitful hill. He dug it up and cleared out its stones and planted it with the choicest vine. He built a tower in its midst and also made a wine press in it. So he expected it to bring forth good grapes, but it brought forth wild grapes. And now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, Judge, please, between me and my vineyard, what more could I have done to my vineyard that I have not done in it? Why then, when I expected to bring forth good grapes, did it bring forth wild grapes? And now, please, let me tell you what I will do to my vineyard. So Jesus begins in this instruction, and this language would have been very familiar to them. It would have caught their attention. It would have brought them in. Verses 1 through 5, again, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If a man remains in me, and I in him, he will bear much fruit. So in these opening verses, Jesus is making, he's giving this image of a true vine. What is a true vine? A true vine is a vine that produces life, a vine that is good, it's full of nutrients, a vine that is healthy. He is drawing a comparison to a vine that is dead, that can't give life. 
So if you desire life, true life, look at me, remain in me, because that's who I am. So when he said, I am the vine, when I am the way and the truth of the li- and the life, when he c- made these claims, he is letting his disciples know that he has the authority to say and make these things happen, that he is the source of the good fruit. Well, what is the purpose of a healthy vine? To produce fruit. He's telling his disciples, you are here to produce good fruit. You are here to share me, the true vine, so that life can come to people. You are to bear good fruit. However, if you have a branch that doesn't bear any fruit, it gets cut off. It gets removed. And the branch and the branches that do bear fruit, they need to be pruned. You know, this makes me think of my rose bushes on the, the, my side yard and the bushes in front of my house. Um, a couple years ago, 2019, uh, my bushes, they're kind of unruly, and they had a lot of dead in them. So the fall of 2019, I hacked them, like, to the ground. And I was like, I may have just killed my rose bushes. And, and the spring of 2020 comes, and I get a little sprigs coming up. But, I mean, they were weak. The wind blew them over, and they looked terrible. And it's like, ah, just let them grow, let them grow. And then this year, you can see that now there's this, this new life that's coming out of it. The branches are getting thicker. They're getting stronger. We have rose buds again. And they are about ready to produce uh, a lot of beauty for the yard. And then I think of our bushes in the front of the house. They're starting to get too tall and uh, going to block the wind. Well, not block the windows, but they're too tall. And Allison's like, we need to trim them down. And so I got a little crazy and just, like, hacked them in half. <laughs> and they look good from the road, but if you stand up in front of them, man, it, they, they look bad. Um, it's like life and then death on top. I just gave them a flat top. But the thing that's amazing is a few weeks after doing that, these branches that looked like they had no life in them, I, we're seeing little sprigs start to come out of these branches. They're starting to produce leaves, and, and the flowers are starting to come in. You know, what, what is the point? Sometimes we need pruning as well. Sometimes we need to be challenged. Sometimes we need our dead branches cut off. What is a dead branch? Well, it's something that doesn't produce life. So, for instance, in your life, does the movie or the TV show that you watch produce life? Does the book you read produce life, or the podcast, or the video game that you play, or the people that you follow on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, do those produce life? If no, cut them out of your life. It is the charge and the desire of Jesus that we bear good fruit. If we have branches that need to be cut out, let's cut them out. You may miss it in the beginning. It might be hard, but when you remove it and then you replace it with something that produces life, that's the key. When you remove it, you've got to replace it. It's going to be replaced with something. Replace it with something that produces life. You will find you'll have more joy. You'll find you'll have more peace. You will find, as Eddie was saying, you will draw closer to God. Your relationship with him will go deeper. You know, I I think it, I liken it to a mom disciplining her children. You know, something that I think is being lost on this generation. There's some kids out there that need uh, some discipline. Um, 
And I, it, sadly, it's a detriment to the kid at the end of the day because it's not helping them grow up to be the adult that they need to be. Um, but, you know, I think of the kid that's running amok in, in the store, running through the aisles or running through the house. And, and as they're, they're coming around and they make that turn and they, they see mom and she's got that look in her eye like, well, like Clint Eastwood. <laughs> like, you, you want to try this, buddy? Like, come on. You know, that look that make a grown man cry. See? See, that, those branches, they need to be cut off because clearly they're not bearing any fruit. But, um, again, life-giving fruit comes only when we remain in Jesus. And then he says, remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. You know, this is imperative that we understand and apply this statement to our lives. You know, a while back we talked about when we went through the book of Ephesians, how inside of us there's this duality. Uh, Paul talked about the things I want to do, I don't do, and the things that I don't want to do, I find myself doing. That we're at war within ourselves. That there's a part of us that wants to do good. We want to follow God. That's the, the spiritual side of us. And then there's a side of us that fights against that. And that's the flesh side. That's, that's the, the human side of us. And these two are at war within us. You see, and as we remain in Jesus, as we stay connected to him through his word, through prayer, through fellowship, we find we are able to win this battle between our flesh and our spirit and bear good fruit. We're not able to do to bear good fruit on our own. But, but, but what about all the relief efforts out there by the people that aren't believers? There's people out there that help the homeless, that serve people, that love people. Yes, there are people that do good things. And yes, there are people that love people. But what we're talking about here is fruit in the kingdom of heaven. We are not able to produce fruit that leads to eternal life apart from Jesus. That's what this is all about, leading people to Jesus, showing them who Jesus is. You know, I think of my Ava Jane while we were uh, on vacation at Mount Rushmore. You know, while she was wanting to get all the little trinkets and the toys and the, the treats and all that stuff, she wasn't just thinking of herself. Um, while we were looking at souvenirs, uh, she was uh, thinking of her teacher. She knew her teacher loves pins and magnets. And so she found a pin and a magnet and went to her grandpa, and they, they got her teacher these gifts. You know, and she could have wanted to do this innately, like that's who she is. But I think a lot of it has to do with her mama. That's who Allison is. She is constantly thinking of others and uh, loving. And that's, that example has been shown to Ava that, that that's what we are supposed to be to the world. We are supposed to show people who Jesus is through the life we live. Again, life-giving fruit comes only when we remain in Jesus. John, uh, in Verse 11, it says, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. This is why this matters. It's Christ's desire that our joy be complete. 
Why does it cause joy? Well, something happens in the heart of the believer when they give themselves to the work of the gospel. Is the, will the work challenge us? Absolutely. Can the work make us weary? Yes. Will the work stretch us? Yes. But will the work fulfill us? Absolutely. Absolutely. When I talk with you individually and you guys tell me your stories, you tell me of how God has walked you through this situation. You didn't know how you were going to get through it or how he's pushing you to do something that you didn't consider yourself, that you didn't think you could do it. How he's given you peace through uncertain times. How he's provided for you when you felt like the ends wouldn't meet. No matter how small or large a role I have played in that, my cup overflows. I am filled with joy because the Lord is working in you. I can see him working in you. He is bringing life to people. This is why it's paramount we remain in him. As we remain in Jesus, he brings life to us, and he shows us what truly matters. And our attention begins to shift from us and the things of earth to the things of heaven. We begin to realize that God not only loves me and wants me, but he also wants others to know him. He also wants others to know he loves them. And he allows us to share in this work. He gives us a role. And as we engage in this role, he gives us abundant joy when we see him doing work. You know, I, I think of uh, my mother-in-law when uh, she sees the, the woman that Allison has become or she sees the man that Jason has become, that her babies love Jesus that her kids love people, that they have, that they're caring, that they're compassionate. She has to be filled with incredible joy. As I see uh, my kids, you know, just the, the, the thing of Mount Rushmore and Ava buying gifts for a teacher, the joy that filled me, like, she's thinking of her teacher, and I... I didn't think of, we went to Sturgis, and she's like, did you get your dad anything? I'm like, I no. <laughs> I sent him a picture. And it's like, dang, man. Sorry, dad. You know, like, I, I, it's just, when we do those things, it fills us with joy. You know, life-giving fruit comes only when we remain in Jesus. And then Jesus ended with this. This is my command. Love each other love each other. All of this is wrapped up in love. When we remain in Jesus, we begin to love like him. He said in verse 13, greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You know, we look at this verse and we initially think of death. We think of Jesus laying down his life for us. But perhaps it means a little more than just death. How could it mean more than death, Horace? Well, what if it means I lay down my desires? What if it means I lay down my time, if I lay down my resources? I, I give up my time to serve a friend, to serve a neighbor or a stranger. We give up our resources to help someone that's in need or to just bless somebody. What if we lay down what we want? We put ourselves aside to love 
somebody else. When we remain in Jesus, this shift begins to happen. Laying down our life isn't just for dying for somebody, but it's living, loving, and serving somebody. To pour out and use our lives to love people. Friends, if we will be a people that will remain in Jesus, loving people, bearing eternal fruit, we can and will see lives changed. The first life we'll see changed is our own. The change comes here. Like I said, our, our, our mindset begins to shift. Our, our mind starts to think on things of heaven. That's why Jesus says, ask whatever you want in my name and it will be given to you. It's not that he's a, a genie. It's not that he's just going to give you whatever you want. But as we engage in the word, as we engage in prayer, as we engage in fellowship, our mind begins to shift and our desires start to become his. And we don't throw those, you know, Lord, I want a mansion with the Rolls Royce and the swimming pool and a helicopter pad. Like, why do you want that? What's the motivation behind that? But you see, as we remain in him, he shows us what true desires we should have and what prayers we should pray. And those things begin to change. Then as we change, we then see the change happen in our families. We see the change in our neighbors, our co-workers, and our communities. We are to remain in him because life-giving fruit comes only when we remain in Jesus. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this truth, that as we remain in you, we bear fruit that produces life. And that you allow us to have an active role in that, that as we engage in this, we are filled with joy, that our joy is complete. So help us, Father, to be focused on remaining in you, loving people, laying down our lives for our friends, for people, loving them, showing them who you are. I thank you, Father, that you give us this promise of life, of eternal life, and that it's that it's found in you. Help us to walk with this promise, to claim this promise, and to share this promise. And I pray, Father, that you would help us to continue to remember our moms, not just on Mother's Day, but every day. That we would send them the, the, the random text or call them or just, just love on them, Lord, because they gave us life too. I thank you for our moms. I thank you for you. You are good. You are great. And it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, for all you moms out there, we have a gift for you. It's a little plant. I think it's, is it a succulent? It's a succulent. So uh, please take one. Um, they'll be in the back. Pete will have them. Uh, I hope you have a wonderful Mother's Day. I love you guys. I thank you for being here. Don't forget to sign up for water baptisms if you are interested in that. And uh, we'll see you next week. God bless.